This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to this special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Katie Walsh from The Spectator and James Johnson of JL Partners. Now today we're talking about Rishi Sunak's image, which I think, Katie, it's been fair to say has been on a bit of an evolution. Talk us about how Rishi Sunak's image has changed. We first saw him really come on the scene in 2020 during Covid with the furlough scheme. But over the last four years or so, it's gone up and down, hasn't it? It has. It's been a roller coaster for Rishi Sunak, but not that much going up and down. It's almost up and then on this downward trajectory, unfortunately, for Rishi Sunak. I think that when he was Chancellor, you saw him have this peak popularity, which at times, I think, riled some of his cabinet colleagues because where people like Matt Hancock, perhaps for good reason, if we look at the COVID inquiry, were being heavily criticised. You had Rishi Sunak, who was very popular. The public didn't really know who he was before he became Chancellor. The pandemic happened very soon after he entered number 11. And therefore, lots of the first encounter really with voters on Rishi Sunak was this man who was giving away loads of money uh, through the furlough scheme. Then I think you had obviously the non-dom row. I think that was a big uh, dent at the time to Rishi Sunak's, um, how he was seen by voters, his popularity going down. And I think even if you think back to Lenin, the, the weekend of, after that news, when you had all these uh, you know government aides speaking anonymously, almost reveling in it, which I think showed you that uh, during the period when he was doing quite well, it, it did, it did uh, lead to some jealousy. But I think most importantly is how is he seen as Tory leader? And all politicians have ups and downs, honeymoon periods and so forth. But by the time he became prime minister, there was a point uh, early on where his personal improving ratings were much higher than that of the Tory party. And as someone quite close to Rishi Sunak said to me, well, it either goes one way. Either Rishi Sunak lifts the Tory party and they get closer to him, or the Tory party brings Rishi Sunak down and he goes closer to the Tory party. Unfortunately for Rishi Sunak, he has gone closer to the Tory party. It's still the case, if you look, for example, at where the Tories are spending their money on Facebook, for example, in digital campaigning, that they're ploughing into Rishi Sunak's page rather than the Conservative brand. I think there is a feeling he is still an asset uh, if you think about the cards they have to play. But in terms of, I think, where he sits, and importantly, uh, what that means for those don't-know voters, which is where all of Rishi Sunak's allies place their hope, which is this idea that lots of voters haven't decided how they're voting. That's obviously harder to win around when your leader is falling in popularity. Now, James, you've done some really interesting focus groups this week. Tell us how, in January 2024, how voters currently see Rishi Sunak ahead of an election later this year. Well, it's pretty miserable listening for the Prime Minister. Uh, Rich, out of touch, weak, spineless, um, just to name a few of the the epithets that, that voters use to describe Rishi Sunak. Katie's point there is is spot on, I think. Uh, Rishi Sunak has gone in the direction of the close tracking closest to the Conservative Party in terms of approval. But that was never a foregone conclusion. Um, A year ago, you know, January 2023, it was wide open for Rishi Sunak. He had that uh, permission to be heard from the public. Um, They wanted to like him. Uh, I'm afraid that over the last 12 months, that has shifted. And voters are now getting a sense of who Rishi Sunak is and what they've seen they don't much like. 
not only do they feel that he's out of touch, and that's obviously always been around for Rishi Sunak a bit, um, but they also feel like he's weak. And to have both of those together is a real problem. Um, voters in the 2020s are looking for the strong man, um, or strong woman, I, I should add. They are looking for people who will shake things up and get things done. Um, it's why um, I've been in uh, Iowa over the last week interviewing voters ahead of the caucus on Monday. It's why people here are voting for Donald Trump. It's why people here are going off of Rishi Sunak, because they're not seeing that strength there um, behind him. So I think it's a real issue. His events this this week and last week, um, to kick off the new year, he's been doing PM Connects and talking to people around the country. People in our focus group, we spoke to Labour, to, uh, Tory, sorry, Tories are Labour switchers. Those people had noticed those events. And I think it's fair to say they were, had, they've gone down like a cup of cold sick with voters. They said that he looked full of himself. Um, they said that he, uh, he, it's staged, he looks false. Whatever Rishi Sunak is doing at these events, whatever tack he's taking, is not resonating with voters, is actually making things worse. worse. And, and James, you know, I, I used to work for Theresa May. I used to be her pollster in number 10. And uh, people often used to say, goodness me, you need to keep Theresa May away from the, away from the public um, you know, because, uh, you know, she might make mistakes and, you know, people won't like her and so on. Is much, much more important that Rishi Sunak is kept away from the public than it is than it was ever the case for Theresa May. If you're the Conservative Party now and you're looking at these focus groups and you're looking at these, this polling, the thing to do is not to keep putting Rishi Sunak in front of the voters. It was a year ago, but unfortunately for, for him, that opinion has, has significantly changed. Unless you can turn that round, then uh, I would ditch the events and uh, uh, keep, him, keep him in number 10. Katie, what do you think have been the key moments in this shift? I mean, James talks about January 2023. Uh, the voters were willing to give Rishinak a chance. 12 months on, that all seems to have changed. Is it the case that he could have done much more in the kind of moments when he was being given uh, a political hearing by voters? Uh, or really, was the economy always going to be one of those things that meant that he was never going to get the kind of cut through that he wanted? Uh, and sadly, given the deteriorating economic circumstance of the past 12 months in terms of the light of you know, Ukraine, etc., uh, it was always going to be a bit, bit of an uphill battle. I think it was always going to be uphill for Rishi Sunak if you look at what he inherited. The fact that he is now almost level pegging with the Conservative Party in terms of popularity. I think that you speak to some government aides and they still say he is more popular than the Tory party. But it does show the problem. I think one of the particular issues is you have a situation whereby Rishi Sunak's comfort zone, where he is the most confident, is the economy. That is the thing by which he ultimately feels that he knows the most about, that he is uh, the strongest talking about. He looked at the, the most recent town hall event. It was a lot more about the economy really than boats. But you combine that with the fact that we're in a cost of living crisis and you have a prime minister who is in those word clouds often out of touch comes out. And I think he does have a bit of an issue in the sense of do voters think that he can relate to their lives? And you saw Keir Starmer saying that perhaps a bit clumsily at PMQs when he said Rishi Sunak doesn't understand Britain. And immediately the response was, oh, is he saying something with racist undertones that was put to him? But it seemed more from the examples he was giving that what Keir Starmer was trying to say is that Rishi Sunak doesn't lead a normal life because he is too rich. And therefore, how can he even understand the things that most voters are going through. And you combine that, I think, with a party that looks a little bit out of control. Um, and altogether, you end up being where James started this conversation with, which is looking weak. <laughs> um, 
and that just doesn't add up to, to a good picture. I still think the question is, we have to think about it as the different leaders, as who you're picking between. And therefore, the one thing that I think the Tories still take a small amount of hope from is it does not feel as though Keir Starmer is particularly popular. Um, so therefore, are you in a world where it's, it's not so much... When you speak to those who are working out what they're going to do in the Tory campaign, I don't think anyone thinks there's going to be any Rishi mania. No one is that deluded. <laughs> but what they're wondering is if you can get to a point where people are almost like oh, well, I'm fed up with the Tories, but if this is the other one, I guess I will hold my nose and vote for them. And I think that probably reflects what we're seeing in terms of the polling, in terms of that's probably where they think their best uh, option is. Yeah, I mean, that's the fair point, isn't it, James, that it is going to be a choice and it's not Rishi Sunak versus uh, a perfect candidate. It's Rishi Sunak versus Keir Starmer. Uh, we've talked about Rishi's image in this. How do voters feel about Keir Starmer's image and are they those voters who are so disparaging about the Prime Minister, do they feel much more favourable towards the leader of the opposition? The leader of the opposition. So this is the thing in the focus group, is you get everybody ripping into Rishi Sunak and you ask about Keir Starmer and it's all so pretty negative. Um, people say, oh, he's weak. He just says what we want to hear. Um, he opposes for opposition's sake. Um, and a lot of people still don't know who he is. Um, that, that's one of the more striking things. You know, in, in the, the Times Radio focus group we did earlier this week, that you mentioned uh, two people in that group didn't know who Starmer really was. They couldn't say anything about him, despite the fact that they're switched to Labour. So what's really interesting about what's happening at the moment in the polls is that people are saying they will vote Labour despite Keir Starmer rather than because of him. And that's really, as Katie says, the key thing. So although they might not want to make uh, um, uh, the next election a presidential campaign in terms of putting Rishi Sunak front and centre, they certainly want to make it a sort of anti-presidential campaign in terms of really shining the lights on Keir Starmer. Now, uh, there are some risks with that. Uh, Keir Starmer is not liked, but he's also not loathed. Um, they're not scared of him in the way that they were Corbyn. People don't recoil when they, when they hear his name. Um, and as I say, for many of these people that we spoke to earlier this week, for many Tory to Labour switches I speak to, um, they are uh, they're voting Labour anyway because they think you know that, that the party itself is is strong, and they also think that there are potential other Labour leaders in the you know ready to come forward. It is remarkable just how many times people bring up Angela Rayner in a positive light in the focus groups now. Um, complete transformation from 2020, 2021. Um, voters feel that she is genuine, authentic, strong. Goes back to my my strongman point. You know, they they feel that she is somebody who can who can get things done and, and sort of cuts through the nonsense. So you know that also helps people come over to Labour. But uh, yeah, look, this is not a slam dunk for Keir Starmer. And if these polls are right, even assuming they narrow, and Labour do win a majority at the next election. Um, then this could be the most lukewarm majority in British political history um, because there's no enthusiasm for Starmer, but he may well just become PM anyway. Can I just ask James as well? Uh, it's obviously been a week where the post office scandal has been dominating. What, uh, if anything, do voters make of Ed Davey uh, and the Liberal Democrats? Obviously, most people in the country will be switching or choosing between a two-horse race between Labour and Conservative. But what about the voters who are considering voting Liberal Democrat, perhaps particularly in those kind of blue wall, southern, eastern uh, seats where the Lib Dems are hoping to mount a good challenge this time? So uh, that is where I'd say uh, the week has delivered some good news for the Conservatives in that uh, they need to, you know, if you're a Conservative, if you're in a CCHQ, 
if you're trying to work out how to run the next election, they need to jump on this Ed Davey post office link and never stop hammering it till election day. At the start of my focus group this week, we always ask what's come up in the news, what have you noticed? And usually we get a smattering of different things. Um, this time around, it was everybody said post office scandal. Everybody had seen or heard of the documentary and they were really, you know, personally, you know, disgusted by, by, the, by the situation. So it's really cut through and in an emotional way, it's cut through as well. Um, I asked them, um, who's responsible for this? Who's responsible? And they knew there was a minister and they knew that minister was probably a Lib Dem. They hadn't quite got far enough as going, oh, it's Ed Davey. So... Uh, yeah, this is the advantage if you're if you're a Davy. You know, being unknown is in the first place is helpful in terms of people. It's hard to stick blame on you either, but I think that will develop over the coming weeks. And uh, obviously, Ed Davy's given an interview interview uh, 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 on Friday saying um, uh, that uh, you know dodging the question and refusing to apologise. So that's probably going to get some cut through uh, as well. So yeah, if I were the Conservatives, I would keep hammering this because it's interesting. In 2017, uh, 2017 election, you had Tim Farron as head of the Lib Dems. Very few people knew who he was, but it had cut through amongst voters that he had some sort of what they thought was slightly dodgy views about gay marriage. And that was how they defined him. And that stopped a lot of people voting Lib Dem in 2017. So if, if Ed Davey and the Lib Dem has become the post office people, uh, then that will be a gift for the Tories in some of those some of those seats. And I would just add to that briefly, I think... As James says, lots of voters do not know who Ed Davey is. So you can maybe get away with it briefly in the sense, I think, is this minister's name. But but the flip side is, it means if they do work out as Ed Davey, the one thing they're going to know about the Lib Dem leader is the Royal Mail. They don't have anything to really counter it. And that's very bad news for the Liberal Democrats. Well, thank you, Katie. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.